Hey everyone, my online course on the rehabilitation of the fitness athlete with Dan Pope is on sale this week. If you want to work with higher level fitness athletes and help people get back into the gym after an injury, this is the course for you. Head to MikeRandall.com slash fitathlete to learn more and sign up this week. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show, we are stuck at home in self-quarantine but still answering your questions for an amazing 200th episode special podcast from home from all of us. But we're going to answer one big question in, uh, in, in addition to celebrating, and that is what is the difference between our treatment principles with somebody with anterior or posterior shoulder instability? The Ask Mike Reinhold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, Perform better. Before we get to the podcast, I wanted to make sure you knew about my free online course on the introduction to performance therapy and training. If you want to learn how to get started optimizing and enhancing performance, this is the course for you. Head to MikeReynolds.com slash performance to sign up today. Welcome back, everybody, to the latest episode of the Ask Mike Reynolds Show. For the first time, we are not at Champion PT in performance up in Boston, Massachusetts, other than Mike Scaduto. So Mike is uh, has the the retro uh, look right here, but we are uh, we are we are a part of the uh, the self quarantine, social distancing, flatten the curve crowd here at Champion, and making sure that you know we're 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 doing our part a little bit, but. We thought, like, hey, let's uh, let's still do the podcast, right? Because we're we're still we're meeting. We just had our big, you know, if this was our staff meeting that we just had, we're figuring out ways that we can still do some some things together. But we thought, you know, in these crazy times, let's let's still do a podcast. So, uh, just ironically, this is the weird part. This is probably our goofiest goofiest episode of all time. But this is our two hundredth episode. Congratulations, hey. everyone! <laughs> So super funny story, but we had these huge plans. We were going to have a big live uh, Q&A session at Champion. We invited all the local students. Oh, something just happened. Wait, did that work? Am I still here? I still see you. Okay, good. Something just happened with my computer. But all right, sorry. All right, let me try to get back in. I'll I'll cut that out. (laughs) It's a good part about this (laughs) video. So the funny part about this episode is being the 200th episode is we had huge plans, big plans for this episode. We were going to do this huge live Q&A at Champion. We invited all the local students in the Boston area to all come. We're going to make this a big event, do it one night, record the thing. And that was going to be like a huge live 200th episode that we're going to do. And this is what we got instead. (laughs) Way better. (laughs) Exactly the same. And so, uh, you know what, but you guys don't, don't tune into this to watch our beautiful faces. And even though I guess some of you are just listening to the podcast, but for those on the video, um, I, you don't just do it for our, our pretty faces. You guys do it for the edu- educational content. So, uh, most importantly, thank you. Thank everybody that has listened, subscribed, done a review, uh, shared this with their friends and their colleagues. I would have never thought we'd get to 200 episodes. I mean, that's essentially over four years. We started this over four years ago. 
Uh, that's a lot of work, right? <laughs> you should see us now as we're growing, trying to coordinate like uh, a good chunk of time to record these episodes right now. You can tell Tilly's completely distracted down there. I'm actually right? putting a I'm putting a picture of you guys up. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, but thank you. So uh, no students because all our students were sent home from their schools because of the coronavirus situa- situation. So I'll introduce everybody. So first. Lisa Russell, Mike Scaduto, it's like uh, the Brady Bunch. I'm in the top right <laughs> corner for everybody. Uh, Dan Pope. Hi, Dan. Hey. What's going on? Lenny McCrino, way down there at the bottom. Hey, Len. Oh, Say hey. hi to everyone. Okay. And Dave Tilly down below. What's up, buddy? Yeah, nailed it. That was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the best episode ever. <laughs> so be sure to check this out on uh, on my website or YouTube if uh, you want to see how hilarious this video is. That's awesome. So, uh, But, hey, again, thank you to our listeners for being there for us. The only reason why we're doing this is for you guys. Right. If you guys weren't still submitting awesome questions and and subscribing to the podcast and listening, we, we would have stopped doing this. We're only doing it because because there's a need for it. So uh, over time, you know, we're evolving the podcast and hopefully like we'll, we'll keep we'll keep doing some good things for you. So thanks again and welcome, everybody. So I'm also the student, I guess. Now I get my iPad here. <laughs> I'm going to ask the questions. So let me see. Lenny, can you up. introduce Mike? Yeah, that's right. Hi, I'm Mike. How would you introduce me if I was a student? Uh, We have Mike Reinald here. He is a PT for the past 20 plus years. He went to Northeastern University and Mass General Hospital for his doctorate. And uh, Mike uh, enjoys uh, his time with his family and his new dog, uh, Penny. That's true. That's true. And Lisa wow. also has a dog named Penny. We stole named that Penny. name. Yeah. But, known uh, fact. <laughs> I guess we're all at home. Maybe we can have a, a pet episode in the future, but um, <clears throat> pretty funny. But all right, let's see. First question for today or the question for today for our 200th episode. We have a question from James from New York. I feel like you need a prize for getting picked for the 200th episode. <laughs> <laughs> what is the key difference in non-operative treatment for posterior versus anterior shoulder instability? I thought this is a pretty neat question, right? Because I think a lot of people just think instability this is the same thing, right? Like you have an unstable shoulder, it's the same thing. But does it matter if it's anterior or posterior? Um, and I guess you could almost imply through the question there that this was probably a traumatic type of thing, or maybe maybe not with posterior, but you know, but it's a it's a unidirectional one, which I think is a, a little different than like a congenital multidirectional laxity, which I think is really neat. But anterior versus posterior. So who wants to start? Maybe we'll try to see somebody jump in, and I can I can try to lead it if not. But let's see if we can do this from a distance. Dave, what do you got? I just have one to share because it's been something that comes up a lot with weight bearing in my population is somebody who has a posterior dislocation is obviously going to be very cautious getting back to weight bearing because of the posterior translation versus someone who's an anterior or maybe even a multi-directional if that comes up like you said you got you kind of want to get back to a little bit of weight bearing because it helps rebuild dynamic stability a little earlier so I uh, had to learn that lesson the hard way when I was a younger grad I kind of got back too soon and I irritated someone's posterior cuff so yeah, and posterior instability, posterior capsule in and of itself is you know super thin. It's real easy to be loose posteriorly. So you're absolutely right. You definitely go a little slower. So that that would almost be the first thing I would say. You know, before we even talked about the weight bearing, but like I think the first thing is we go a little slower with posterior, 
right? And then second, it comes into to closed kinetic chain and weight-bearing things. So Dave mentioned getting back to weight-bearing activities, like if you're a wrestler or a gymnast or, or something like that, right, and you have weight-bearing activities. But also don't forget, it's our selection of our closed chain. So, you know, if this is my shoulder, right, posterior translation going out the back, if we get into this closed chain position, I'm going to get that posterior translation. So we usually delay the start of closed chain. That's a big one. And then when we start, then we make sure that we are like super wide and almost in that scapular plane. So now that way, that translation is going to be into my glenoid versus posteriorly and kind of maybe out the back. So I like that. So that's a good first one right there is we're more, we're slower. And then the second one is that we're careful with our closed kinetic chain. Uh, who else wants to add to that? I think there's a bunch to talk. What do you got, Mike? Uh, yeah, I think the first step for me would definitely be understanding the mechanism of injury. Um, I think that that would be a big thing. Is it a fall on an outstretched arm that caused the posterior uh, instability episode or dislocation? Um, working with golfers, we see a lot of posterior instability in the lead shoulder from being cross body and then rotating the trunk um, towards the towards the lead side it can cause a little glide on the uh, humeral head posteriorly. Um, so that's probably more of like a micro trauma, repeated micro trauma. Um, so kind of understanding, you know, the history of that person's uh, history, uh, injury mechanism and the actual traumatic injury mechanism, if it's there, I think would be very helpful. Um, and then for if they have posterior instability, I'm probably going to be careful with range of motion across their body, uh, moving in the horizontal adduction and probably internal rotation as well early on. Uh, probably it, depending on the severity of the instability, uh, maybe avoid those positions early on and gradually reintroduce uh, that range of motion and strengthen into that range of motion over time. That's great. And what I like about what you said was you, you talked about the, the mechanism of it, right? Which I think is, is super important. But then you talked about the movements. So what stresses posteriorly is obviously internal rotation and cross body adduction or adduction across, right? So we want to be careful with those motions with posterior instability, obviously, because that causes that stress in the posterior aspect, right? But then when you combine it with the mechanism, I think it's, it's really important, right? If it's a golfer, for example, versus a gymnast for Dave, right? Dave's going to probably be a little bit more cautious with weight bearing and you're going to be a little bit more cautious with cross body range of motion, right? right. So you kind of, kind of put those together. So I like that. So posterior is probably slower. We're going to be careful with closed kinetic chain. And then we're going to be really cautious with specific movements, cross body and internal rotation. So I don't know, based on that, Lisa, then what's the opposite of that for anterior? What, what motions are we careful or what do we need to be more careful about with anterior? Um, so the, the patient I think of when I'm thinking of like anterior dislocations and anterior cuff stuff is um, our capsule. I had this tennis player a while ago who was really probably just a very loose person, but she couldn't like, she dislocated her shoulder, like probably. I don't know, seven or eight times before she came to PT. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I mean, so just literally teaching her like, you know, the movement patterns of, of, of not going overhead and keeping her shoulder like up and in its joint. Um, I mean, I haven't treated like rowing wise, there's not a ton of shoulder like dislocation stuff. So like generally I haven't treated a ton of it. Um, and 
Yeah, that's yes. a, that's a good thing but, with rowers that we don't yeah, have, we don't I mean, have to you deal get, with that. You get a little bit if it's like a very freak traumatic thing. Right. Like, do you ever capsize I, rowing and you're like, ah, oh, <laughs> like somebody slapped and somebody it's legitimately you with when like that kind of a thing happens, or there's something in rowing called catching a crab, where you like catch your oar handle in the water weird and it like makes you kind of fall back or like it go over your head and like that's what does it. <laughs> right. Like if you're at full speed going you know, like in a race and all of a sudden it pours <laughs> over your head. <laughs> but that would be bad. otherwise there's not like a ton of like capsular injury. Yeah. yeah. But that that's a good thing. Yeah. So, so to go to the, the flip side of what Mike said with crossbite internal. So with anterior, right. we're probably going to be more cautious with external. That's probably one. And then going behind the body, which is the two opposite. But again, I think that goes back to what Mike said too, as well as the mechanism of injury, right? Lisa has had some anterior instability when we go up overhead, which makes sense. That happens. It's like anterior inferior. But a lot of times you can just get pulled back this way or this way into an episode and you're actually pretty stable up overhead, right? It's more of behind the body and into external rotation. So, uh, you know, I, I think that also plays a big part of it. But like if this is an issue with posterior, then this is an issue with anterior. And that's that's a big thing we, we kind of work on. Um, let me see. Before we go on, I got to ask. Len, what are you typing? Nothing. Yeah, you were. <laughs> no, that just, wasn't me. He's just nervously tapping I, his fingers I, on the keys. I, oh, he's tapping? <laughs> no, I, 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 I hear it, but it's not me. It's I'm sure, just sitting here. <laughs> it sure looked like you. Like, I was like, <laughs> is Lenny like answering emails right now? Like, what is <laughs> This is the problem with working from home, by the way. <laughs> you're in a you're video conference. Uh, all right, so Len, uh, how about this? So how about like like exercise? So we talked about yeah. range of motion, I think, which is right. be careful with all, different directions. All, all great answers. Yeah, so I think um for exercise very similar no doubt very similar like the, the core program is going to be very similar where you're going to do a lot of full cam stuff like mike said in the scapula plane um you're going to do sideline external rotation that's in all my shoulder programs um i think i'm going to limit the amount of range of motion for the anterior instability if we start doing maybe some t's so like a prone t or prone horizontal abduction so i made it limit them to not go in full range of motion initially if they feel unstable um, I'm going to probably maybe consider a little bit more subscap strengthening for the anterior instability because we know the subscap crosses right over the front of the humeral head. So it's a great dynamic stabilizer of the, uh, of the humeral head anteriorly. So if you think about subscap and infraspinatus, we talk about force vectors. Those are two great muscles that are going to stabilize anteriorly and posteriorly. So you really, when they contract, they're basically contracting together and causing the humeral head basically get suctioned into the into the glenoid so my focus is on anything subscap and anything infraspinatus and then obviously trying to get uh you know scapular thoracic type stuff so lower traps mid traps even upper traps but probably more so lower traps mid traps um are going to be huge for me so the prone y's uh t's uh, prone 9090 that I call them, a prone U or W, whatever we call them, it's a prone up. And again, watching them at end range external rotation because you will get some humeral head uh, translation at that end range of motion. And if they're loose, they'll know and they'll kind of freak out by it or have some pain. So you got to kind of give them confidence and also let them know you don't have to go through the full range of motion. And usually it, uh, you know, you can get through that phase and then you can go through full range of motion shortly after that. 
yeah. I like it. So exercise selection, I mean, it's pretty similar between the two because they all have the same principle of, yeah. I want to help stabilize the glenohumeral joint and center the right. humeral head. So exercise right. selection is going to be really similar. But I like what you did there, though. You took the range of motion things that we talked about earlier, and you said, like, well, hey, maybe we're just going to limit the range of motion a little bit to, to that little last bit, that, right. like, 80% of the range of motion from there. Right. So I think this leads us really well. So Dan Pope, fitnesspainfree.com. Wow. Uh, <laughs> So Dan, I mean, so with is I guess the question is, Lenny just talked about like like limiting end range based on some of those range of motions. When you're returning somebody back to their activities, when do you start working on now some stability and some strength in their end range, maybe in their unstable position? And do you do anything different between anterior and posterior with that la- that later phase trying to get people back? Yeah, I think it's going to depend entirely on the athlete, right? I mean, I, I see a bunch of people that are in the fitness world, so it's not necessarily like those guys are trying to throw a baseball and get into end range exo rotation, the arms getting way far behind them. So um, for me, it's a case-by-case basis. I don't see a whole lot of traumatic injuries um, where they have like a severe capsular tear, labral tear, and then they're having a hard time getting back from that position. Um, generally, it's more kind of multi-directional instability, um, but I think it's probably going to be very similar from sport to sport. So one, you just have to start slowly and it's going to be on an individual basis. So some folks um, are probably going to progress really quickly and some people are going to be quite a bit um, slower, but I would just say you have to introduce those positions really slowly, gradually and appropriately monitor for symptoms, why it's happening. And then the next day, and if things are progressing well, then just keep on pushing along until you're back to the movements you want to get back to. So I like it. Kind of general answer, but no, but I mean, I think, I think that's right. It's just like what we said before with like the direction of instability. Now what you need to do is take the range of motion things, take the activities that they're doing and think like, all right, what, what do I need to get them back to? And are there any vulnerable positions and how do we start, start getting into that? So Mike, did you, did you have a little more? Yeah. Yeah. One, one big thing I think about when, uh, particularly when I'm thinking about anterior instability is getting pe- people back to pressing, uh, activities like bench press type, um, things. So I, so in my mind, I typically want to limit the range of motion into horizontal abduction. So have the elbow dropping below the thorax. Um, so I usually start them off with a floor press. But I was kind of wondering, Dan, like what's, what's your typical progression getting people back into the bench press particularly? And I, I, you know what? But before you answer, Dan, I, I, bench press is a good one because it's, good, it's bad for both anterior and poster right. for different ways. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm eager to hear, Dan. Yeah, good one. Well, again, I, I just don't see it a ton in my world. It's not like if people are having a whole lot of traumatic injuries where they have a lot of anterior instability and can't bench press because of it. The other thing to keep in mind is if you're doing a, an aggressive powerlifting bench press, you're really bringing your chest up quite a bit. There's a little bit of extension. There's a little bit of horizontal abduction. It's not like your arms come way far behind you. Plus, you're also in kind of a neutral rotation position. So something like a bench press isn't too tough for most folks. Um, but yeah, you have a really good idea of progression in mind. So you can do partial range of motion presses. Uh, maybe you have an athlete where you're doing floor press or maybe doing some board press. Nothing I like for those folks are band presses and also chain presses. Just because if you're doing a, a press, and for the people who don't know what this is, you put bands or chains around the bar attached to the floor or just hanging for the chains. So when you go deeper and deeper and deeper into your bench press, less weight is your your um, more weight is on the floor so you don't have to work quite as hard so when the shoulder is at its max point of i don't know potentially anterior translation of the humeral head there's a little less stress in the shoulder and as you press 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 towards lockout there's more and more weight where the shoulder is in a position where it's not quite as uh, unstable so uh, again good ideas but the other part is i tend not to see it that much and something like a bench press doesn't really put you into an extreme end range 
Right. I, right. I like the concept. I think it's a good exercise. And I use that a lot for my particularly anterior instability people just because of the closed chain nature of it and the co-contraction. So it's kind of like flipping and doing a push-up, like starting with a push-up on a table to a, you know, you start off a wall push-up to a table push-up to a, a floor push-up. I, I like the closed chain aspect because of the co-contraction and it's a nice stable position. That's my daughter. And it's a nice stable position uh, for the shoulder joint, especially for somebody anterior. Somebody posteriorly, I'm a little hesitant because of that, uh, that effect that uh, Mike talked about, Studio talked about. Um, but for somebody anterior, I like the closed chain aspect because I think it's a really good way to get co-contraction and uh, really give somebody confidence in that the humeral head is not going to feel like shifting. I'm I'm glad you noted that was your daughter. If you were in like Starbucks or something, and some random little girl came up and hugged you, that would have been super weird. That's my, awesome. My wife. Uh, <laughs> all those reporter videos, your wife's crawling in the background trying to get her. That's awesome. Well, I, I, another great question. Thanks so much. I mean, our 200th question, actually more, because we used to answer a bunch of questions in there. Wow. I mean, we might be, we might be like well over 500 questions at this point. We probably are. So anyway, thank you so much. I, before we have our final send off, if you're that much of a fan and you've watched this much of the episode, which I know not everybody does, I, I just want to highlight one thing. Len, is there anything odd on Dave Tilly's desk right now before D Dave has to go? Is there anything that's odd? Um, I, we love Dave and we, we love Dave, but Dave has a collection of blue and black pens that I'm very jealous of because at champion, we barely have any pens. So I think I found all of our pens uh, right there next to his monitor. So, Hey, next time we open, when this pandemic ends, can you bring us some pens? Can we buy some off of you? <laughs> Dave, just, uh, just quickly, like tell us about the need for 100 pens, both 50 black and 50 blue uh, for easy, easy access on your desk. So first of all, you will have no pens ever for the rest of your life. And I will, uh, I will hoard them all. Apparently. No. So the reason that I got a large chunk of pens is because I've been using them, but I was tired of paying shipping on smaller amounts of pens. And so I figured I'm probably going to write for the rest of my life. So I might as well just buy them in bulk. <laughs> So do, like, do you like throw them away after each use or do you need easy access to oh, all a hundred? I've had these for like eight months. So I, I use them all. <laughs> Just mix them up. And I, I don't, I also don't have like drawers. I have a standing desk. So there's no drawers. There's only shelves. You look like you're sitting right now. I'm sitting in a big chair. In a, at a standing <laughs> desk. I like <laughs> See, we should we can almost have like home office tours with this. So I just come I, on. I'm like I'm a gymnast. I'm like five feet tall. You think I'm as tall as my bookshelf? <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much, everybody. Again, um, please asking. Let's do another 200 of these episodes, right? Um, if you have a question, head to MikeReynolds.com, click on that podcast link, and we will do our best to get through all these answers. Anything you want to talk about? You know, PT, fitness, business, sports performance, anything you guys you guys want. We're happy for you guys. And thank you again so much for our 200th episode. Thank you so much. See you on the next episode. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, head to MikeRinald.com slash podcast and fill out the form to submit your question. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. And please share this with your friends to help spread the word. It would really mean so much to us. Please check out all my online courses, articles, newsletter, and more at MikeReynolds.com. There's always a ton of great perks for my newsletter subscribers. 
And be sure to check for my other podcast, the Sports Physical Therapy Podcast, where I go deep into topics and interview leaders within our field. See you on the next episode.